Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Once I got this, another session of just playing, just get physical play against some of the guys. And I just wanted to, I wanted to get a few sessions of that before I could just put, put myself out there. I haven't felt pain in my knee uh, in a couple weeks, um, but it's just a matter of ramping my body up and getting, getting you know, used to that, that bump and grind and just playing the game again, just playing against the defenders again. You know? So I needed that under my belt, and I'm glad I got it. We had a great practice today, so let's keep building, man. Keep stacking days. Yeah, that's uh, Kevin Durant yesterday practice in Charlotte prior to tonight's game. Hornets and Suns, he'll make his debut tonight. What that looks like from a minutes uh, standpoint remains to be seen. I'm guessing probably somewhere low 20s. That seems to be the pattern for mm-hmm. for uh, okay. limit re- uh, minute restrictions and coming back from injury. But the key there, Bick, is Kevin Durant talking about not feeling any pain for mm-hmm. a couple of weeks. He hasn't played since January 8th. That's when Jimmy Butler fell into his leg in a Miami-Brooklyn game. But, you know, so many times you hear about players trying to ramp it back up and maybe there's pain, maybe there's swelling or soreness. And those are all great signs moving forward, because the fact of the matter is the Suns made this deal with a specific goal in mind, and that was to win a championship this year. And we can talk about the long term ramifications, what happens after this year. But that is certainly the goal right now. They got 20 games to figure this out and get ready for the playoffs. So they can't afford much in terms of missteps or backpedaling uh, on the Kevin Durant front. Yeah. Um, Okay. so again, everyone is really anxious to see what this is going to look like. Like you said, I think you can temper your expectations in terms of what kind of statistical output Kevin Durant's going to put forth tonight. Because like you said, Vinny, he's going to be on some sort of minutes restriction. It's not going to be full on to to begin uh, his tenure with the Phoenix Suns. But this is the beginning of it all. This is the beginning of a new era. He is here for a few more years. If all things go well, they're going to get a couple more cracks at a championship of this thing. And, and, And I think that and I think that all of the all of the lamenting and the regretting about the losing of Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson and the Twins, I think that's all kind of in a rearview mirror now because it's not just the excitement of Kevin Durant and the reality of who he is. I, I also believe that there's a realization that that this team it was a dicey proposition without going all in on a guy like this. Where where the previous iteration of the Suns were going to end up. In the, in the playoff pecking order and how they were going to do in the playoffs. That was anybody's guess before. Mm-hmm. Now, now there's, uh, the, now there's, um, a lot of momentum behind this team. There's a lot of excitement behind this team. Uh, you could hear it. Brian Windhorst, who doesn't emote very much either, um, for him to acknowledge that that he can sense a lot of a lot of renewed enthusiasm from the principals on the Suns, mainly Book and Chris Paul. That that tells you something. They're excited, which should make you excited. Not you, yeah. not, and definitely not you. You collectively is what I'm right. <laughs> yeah, the, right. the collective right. you. The collective you. Um, yeah, Brian Windhorst, you're, you're right. He, he is anticipating some 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 big things right away. Nick Friedle, we've had him on the show recently. He spent a lot of time around Kevin Durant in Brooklyn covering the Nets. Since the trade went down, he's been around the Suns a lot with, with Kevin Durant in Phoenix now. Uh, he's got a pretty measured take on all of it. Favorite is still... Uh, a little strong for me only because I want to see how it all comes together for the Suns. Kevin Durant, guys, we all know he's awesome. And he is still, if not the very best player in the league, uh, the, the second best player to Giannis. 
I mean, the guy is still incredible, and he should be able uh, to really play well in these final few games of the regular season because uh, he's been off and his body has been able to take a break. I want to see how the rest of that rotation plays out. How does the bench look when they are, don't want to run Kevin out there 35, 40 minutes? How does Chris Paul look at this stage of his career where they're going to need a little bit more from him, at least getting everybody in order offensively and defensively? I mean, I was out there right before the All-Star break. Teams are running right at Chris Paul. Can he still move the same way when they need him to? We'll see. I think all that's fair. Some Suns mm-hmm. fans might listen to that and say, how could you say the Suns aren't the favorites? Let's see what it looks like. I'll say this, though. Mm-hmm. Regardless of what happens tonight in Charlotte, Brace yourself, if you're a Phoenix Suns fan, to experience overreaction one way or the other. If Kevin Durant comes out and looks like he never missed a beat, you will hear a lot of the national pundits say, oh, this is this is going to be devastating. Consider the, the opponent, the Charlotte Hornets, a, a, a shorthanded team. It wasn't good when they were fully together. Mm-hmm. If Kevin Durant doesn't look great right away, you're going to get that overreaction too because that's what we are prone to now from the national media when it comes to the NBA especially. Overreaction yeah. one way or the other. Gonna, that's not going to come from me because no. I, cause I, cause I do honestly think that there's going to be there's going to have to be some adjustments as to how this team flows. Can they can they be like water, Vinny? Can they flow like water? That's, like a, Bruce Lee that's a new age kind of thing that that kids are grabbing onto. I be like water, if, if, but but they have to be like that because you sound like a guy who spent time in a darkness retreat. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, doesn't sound that bad right about now though. But but yeah. so I I think with the case of Kevin Durant, I think it's it's his teammates. If, if they've got to get used to the fact that they're playing basketball for real with mm-hmm. Kevin Durant, yes. and it's and I'm sure some of that is worn off them practicing with him. But again, in, in real life situations, it it's going to be very tempting to give him the ball and just okay, let's just watch and see what he does. We've never wow, this is cool. I, I do think there's going to be some growing pains with this whole thing, but I do think that that you know, first and foremost, they got to keep finding ways to win games. Yes, they, Kevin Durant went to Golden State when Steph Curry was at the absolute height of his powers, so to Correct. speak, and they, you know, figured it out pretty quickly and did really well together. You're sort of hoping. I know Booker doesn't have the history that Curry has with. You know, championships and MVPs and stuff, but you're hoping that they will find a a balance like that. Yeah, I mean, you're leaving out two pretty big ingredients there: the championships and the MVPs. I mean, there was no question about the quality of the Golden State Warriors team, and Kevin Durant, you know, adding himself to that mix Mm -hmm. was an embarrassment of riches. Um, because nobody doubted the Golden State Warriors' ability to win championships without Kevin Durant. You put it perfectly. You wrote about it in your column too. Golden State and why Kevin Durant will always get heat for that decision. And it worked out well. Two championships, two finals MVPs for him. Mm-hmm. They didn't need him. No. It was a, it was a luxury item. Yeah. Kevin Durant is not a luxury item for the Phoenix Suns. He mm-hmm. is a necessity. A necessity. He is a cog for what they need to accomplish. I completely agree, and and I really, again, I, I say said this repeatedly because watching Sunday's game in Milwaukee, the symbolism of that end was just so profound, and it was just it was almost scripted by Steven Spielberg and as a reminder. Okay, this is why we're doing this. This is why we're turning the page, and this is why Kevin Durant is making his debut Wednesday 
and, and now Wednesday has arrived. And I, I for one, can't wait. The, I, I still don't know what to make of the Western Conference. I know a lot of people feel that same way about who really is any good here, who really is the team to fear here. You don't get that case in the East. In the East, there's there's three titanic kind of teams and then a bunch of other contenders. In the West, it's a little soft, a little mushy. And it's it's right there for the Suns if this if they can get this thing to a to a workable level. And I think a lot depends on what Chris Paul has and if the team stays healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited about it. Yeah, clearly. I, and I think you're you're right on the money too on the West because the one team that has been above it, consistent, winning, separated itself from the rest of the conference right now is the Denver Nuggets, a team that's never accomplished anything. They, and there's that doubt yes. that's built in. It, of it's, course. It's baked in when you're a team like the Denver Nuggets. I think the Suns went through that a little bit as well last year. Oh, you know, they separated themselves, 64 wins, that's nice. But do they have enough to get it done when it really matters? Mm-hmm. And that version of last year's team proved it didn't have enough to get it done. And that's why we're in this discussion yeah. that we're having right now. That's why Kevin Durant is here, because the Suns, ultimately did not have belief that the group they had put together could win it this year. Yes. And and, and I think, or or maybe it was the incoming owner, who knows exactly where it all triggered from, but, but I do think it's, I do think it's the appropriate move. Yes, I totally agree with you. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, Jonathan Gannon was not the only Cardinals uh, member to take the uh, media podium yesterday at the NFL Combine. Monty Ossinfort, the new general manager, did as well on the precipice of having a lot of work to do this offseason. Draft, free agency, trades, roster construction, all of it. We'll tell you what Monty had to say next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. You know, it's a, it's a position that I hope that we're not in uh, too many more years. You know, it's a, it's it's one of those that it uh, it presents an opportunity that there's going to be a good player there for us to take at number three, and so we'll be prepared to, to pick a player at number three. You know, and we'll also uh, our our phones will be open, and and I'm open to hearing any conversation about anybody that's willing to willing to come up. And so, you know, I think with that number three pick, it's a it's an opportunity to add a player. It's an opportunity to potentially get some calls on that pick, um, you know, and ultimately we're, we'll, we'll make the best decision for us at the time. But, uh, you know, unfortunately when we when we lose that, that those games, that it presents that number three pick and one we don't want to be in again, but we'll deal with it and it presents a good opportunity for us. Monty Austin Ford, general manager of the Arizona Cardinals, on the podium yesterday at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. The phones are open in regards to the third pick. There was a follow-up on that, uh, too, as since the phones are open, has it rung on that third pick? No, it's it's still pretty early in that process. So uh, no, no calls. No, we're uh, those those calls typically don't start till uh, further down the road. So there's plenty of time for that. Yeah, and that makes sense. But the Cardinals are in a, a, a an interesting spot at number three. And Monty Austin Ford talked about if you keep the pick with all kinds of defensive needs, you are going to get an impact player at number mm-hmm. three. You have the option to trade down. 
if somebody does fall in love with another quarterback who could ascend, if somebody absolutely has to have one of those defensive players, yeah, because I think ultimately the first two picks will be quarterbacks when it's mm-hmm. all said and done. So a lot has got to shake out right now. Uh, I wouldn't say it's an area of weakness. I still consider the third pick very much a, an area of strength for the Cardinals, regardless of what they do. Yeah, I I think that there's going to be a temptation that, I mean, clearly you want to build out, uh, I think, going forward, the one thing that the predecessor didn't do that I think Monty Austin Ford, by consensus, is going to do is going to spend some time and capital on the offense and defensive lines. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would be real careful when you take a look at guys that high up at number three. If you're going to devote a, a top five pick to a defensive player, there can be absolutely no questions at all. Now, is Will Anderson, that guy, I, I trust him more than the kid from Georgia, to be honest with you. And, and so, but, but again, I, I think that even though I generally don't like this because I like the excitement of drafting big elite football players and I don't like trading down, I, I just think that after all of the malfeasance we've seen here recently, there was just a GM, I don't know if you saw this, there was a GM in hockey who came out and said that only morons would ever, and I'm paraphrasing now, would ever trade up, trade draft picks for rental players. He said that's the way, that's that's the elevator to the bottom. Now, he was talking about hockey, mm-hmm. but there's some application to what we've seen with the Cardinals here where there, there where some desperation took over and there were some reckless trades made to yeah. try to try to throw everything they had at the wall. Yeah, the last I mean last season alone, the Cardinals gave up draft capital for Trayvon Mullen Jr. and for Chosen Anderson. And for Chosen Anderson. Mullen's already gone. Uh-huh. Anderson won't be part of this team. No. And yes, you might say, well, they were lower round picks. Yes. But there's a reason why there's seven rounds of the NFL draft, mm-hmm. because you can find players that can contribute. Now, the Cardinals didn't do that on a regular basis under Steve Kime, but other teams certainly do. Yeah. I mean, look at what the, the Seattle Seahawks did with their draft last year. They completely changed the outlook of their team because they nailed the draft yeah. to a, a degree like we haven't seen in a while. Right. Is that rare? Yes, but... That's what the Cardinals need to do once to, Without get, this, a doubt. to get this train rolling. And, and they need to stack some of these drafts together. But you're right. They need to do it once. And doing it out of desperation from a standpoint of gentlemen who are clinging and fighting for their jobs, you can see that that's not a good scenario. That's not a good scenario for anyone because because it, it, it doesn't look like you're being in service of the football team. You're more in service of the short-term futures of, of you and your head coach and all that. So, But, again, we're turning the page on that. And, and as it applies to the draft – I do think this Anthony Richardson thing, and I've been saying it for weeks here, because if if anyone's watched any of the tape, not game tape, if any of the pro day kind of stuff that's out there, it's the kind of stuff that will make a that will make a talent evaluator drool. You know, and it's it's we see this every year. We make fun of it every year. Football. It goes from competing on a field and producing actual football-related results to something yes. where you're where you're gauging guys on everything that's not football-related. And it's w- bizarre. Why I think that ascension for Anthony Richardson, maybe even to the top three of the draft, could happen mm-hmm. is because teams, the way teams view rookie quarterbacks now, even if they're high draft picks, they're going to fail quickly with them. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Cardinals did it with Josh Rosen. The Jets are moving on from from Zach Wilson, who was you know the guy who was penciled in to be the starter. These guys, when you invest in a high draft pick at quarterback, it doesn't have the same gravity as it used to 
because of the enormity of these contracts they're getting second yeah. time around. Yeah. You want to find out what you have, and if you feel like you don't have it, you move on. Mm-hmm. So I think that makes teams more apt to want to move up to take a chance on a quarterback, uh, especially those teams that don't have one um, you know, because the desperation of the position. And if you hit on it, great. If not, you do it again a couple years later. So I, I agree with you. I think when we're when we're having these draft discussions in April, I think we're going to be talking about Stroud mm-hmm. and Young and Richardson kind of as 1A, 1B, 1C. Yeah. Now, uh, the Cardinals at number three, everybody's pointing at defense. Um, those players, Will Anderson, uh, Carter from Georgia, and uh, Tyree Wilson from uh, Texas Tech. Monty Ford talked about all three of those players. Probably yesterday. not going to get in too many specifics. Those those are three players that I have you know studied and will we'll continue to study and anxious to, to meet with them and, and do more work with them this week. Those are three talented players and they all bring different skill sets and they've had good college careers. Um, so you know we're excited to, to dive more into them and, and, and see exactly how they would fit for, for our team moving forward. Jonathan Gannon, the head coach, also was asked to weigh Will Anderson again Jalen Carter. Those are two premium positions with how we want to play defense in Arizona because we know that they're impact positions. Uh, so we'll evaluate those guys like we evaluate everybody. But uh, you know, those are premium positions, and and uh, if they fit being an Arizona Cardinal, then then we'll uh, make that make that call. Yeah, so not a whole lot of the, uh, showing of the cards. The right other now. thing, and I don't know if you've seen this, but the other thing uh, out there. Uh, surrounding um, the Cardinals draft pick and who they might be looking at. Um, a very weird report has come out surrounding Jalen Carter in Georgia. Are you aware of this? The There was the car accident that killed a teammate and, and a staffer. It has now been learned that Jalen Carter was on the scene of that accident, even though he initially told police he was nowhere near it. People are trying to figure out what this is all about. I had not yeah, seen no, that. This is, a, this is a breaking story around Jalen Carter that that I, I, I don't know the details of it. I do know that a lot of people are like, huh, this is kind of weird. And so I don't know where this is going with him. But it's it's again. I I think that you look at the NFL draft, and there's a lot of there's a, a lot of people who believe the Bears are going to go ahead and trade out of that pick because again, are are you really going to give up on Justin Fields to draft Bryce Young? Would you really do that? I I mean, if there was I, one bright spot for the Bears last year, it was Justin Fields. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think you don't. that's not a team that has a lot of bright spots. I think you look at Jalen Hurts and go, okay, maybe this kid has got that kind of ceiling. And so so if that's the case, then then the first pick is for sale. The second pick probably is not for sale. Houston's tech, taking a quarterback. Houston's taking a quarterback, and there you're sitting at three with the Cardinals. So it's, yeah. Well, Monty Austin Ford said the phone has not rung. It will ring. <laughs> Trust me. At number three, yeah. it, will, it will ring this mm-hmm. year. Uh, Will Anderson apparently uh, took the uh, podium today at Indianapolis, and I haven't heard any of the specifics of what he said, but I'm seeing the reports of people that are there that he's uh, been very open, honest, and engaging on the podium. And I like play, this player. I do like this player a little bit yeah. too. Hey, listen, if if you're gonna if you're gonna use the pick to select a player, and if there's not people banging on your door to trade for it, that's a guy I'm taking. And, and I felt that before this news about Jalen Carter, which may or may not be anything, but I don't know why you would initially tell police yep. you're not at the scene and then suddenly be at the scene. Yeah, I'd, weird. I'd, yeah, very I'd, weird. I'd have to read very, more into weird. that. We'll, yep. we'll see what uh, comes of that situation. Coming up next, we will hit the big stories of the day, all repackaged in the Rush Hour reboot. Lauren Koval will take us through it next Woo-hoo! here on Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 
Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Setting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Are we good, Jared? Yeah, I, Man, those I, buttons are perplexing you, the hell out of well, me. Well, you today, turned it on, they? then I turned it on after you turned it on, and it turned off. <laughs> but now it's on. Sarah is out today in the interest of shielding our audience from more Jarrett Carlin. Lauren Koval is uh, kind enough Thank to come goodness. in today and, what a uh, treat. and take us through Rush Hour Reboot. Thank God from you're here, From the bottom Lauren. of our hearts, yeah, Lauren. Welcome, Thank Lauren. You. Thank you for getting up. Thank you for coming in this morning. <laughs> I'm used to pressing the buttons, so that I could do this... Let's give it a shot. Let's give it a shot. All right. I'm Lauren Koval <laughs> filling in for the lovely Sarah Cazell. I am joined by Dan Bickley. Hello, Lauren. Hello. Vince Murata. Hi, Kevin. I'm your biggest fan. <laughs> is that another terrifying SpongeBob? It is. Sound by Oh, it's lovely. All, it's all Kevin related this, this week. And Jarrett Carlin. Welcome to the Valley, Kevin Durant. <laughs> All right, now in case the entire valley's been asleep, today's the day. Kevin Most Durant, of the valley has been asleep, actually, until now, probably. <laughs> Fair enough. I'd be asleep, too. Today's the day. Kevin Durant will be on the court for the Phoenix Suns in Charlotte, and expectations are high. He will be on a minute's restrictions tonight, but ev- let's play everyone's favorite game right now. All right. The expectations game. Yeah. There are 20 games left in the season. How many of those games do you expect Durant to play, and how many would you be comfortable with? I got the same number for both of those, mm-hmm. and it just popped into my head. All right. 18. Ooh. Yeah, couple, 17 or 18. couple games, maybe a game where it's, you know, we're going we're gonna to ease back on the, on the workload of Kevin Durant. Maybe a game at the end of the year where seating might be decided mm-hmm. from 18 games, and I'm comfortable with it. Yeah, I think there's going to be a game here, a game there, and the last game of the season. So 17 is my vote. Okay. And is that how many you're comfortable with? Yeah. Yeah. I, listen, he, I think he's been very diligent, very methodical in his return. Um, and so, yeah, I think at some point in time, you got to let it rip. 17 might be the number because it looks like there's three back-to-backs left. And I could see them maybe sitting him on on the second half or first half of those, right? Yeah, they got a weird back-to-back on uh, the 13th and 14th of March, and it's not easy. At Golden State on Monday, home against Milwaukee on Tuesday. Then they got back-to-backs on the 24th and 25th at Sacramento and home against Philadelphia. And then the last one is... April 6th and 7th. April 6th and 7th at Denver. Or, excuse me, home against Denver and then at the Lakers. Probably a good number. 17 is probably correct. All right, sticking with Kevin Durant, it can be hard for a superstar to seamlessly mesh with their new team right away. Expectations are high for KD in his first start in his son's uniform, but what does head coach Monty Williams think? I don't have, like, a expectation um, other than us playing hard, executing, and doing everything we can to win the game. As far as integrating Kevin, I think there's going to be times where there may be hiccups or things like that, but that happens in a normal game. So I, I don't think that's something that's that should be surprising. 
What do you guys want to see from Katie tonight? Uh, about 24 minutes, 42 points. Yeah, 28 <laughs> points in 24 minutes. More points than minutes is what we're saying. Yeah, I'd, l- I'd like to see the team win. I would like to see him kind of... D- I would just like to see them start to resemble a basketball team. Flow, you know what I mean? Yeah. Seamless moving of the basketball, not a lot of confusion. And then, and then hopefully this team can start to get a little something, a little identity, a little bedrock underneath them. Yeah, without going into any like projected statistical lines, I would like to see Kevin Durant look comfortable and not uh, the game kind of unfold in a way to where Monty Williams isn't tempted to put him back in at the end of the game. Ah, Seed that minute right, restriction. Right. Like take care of business early and 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 get some guys some rest, and that includes Chris Paul too. He can't be playing 39 minutes a That night. does seem like a trend with Monty, with both Chris Paul and Devin Booker. When they're on minute restrictions, after the game, they'll say, I yeah, we had them, but too I, long that yeah, I, yeah, I couldn't. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, well, well, it's you. You do it during a game. It's it. And there's a lot of moving pieces in a game, and at the end, somebody hands you a stat sheet, a box score, and you're like, "Oh, wow, okay, mess that up." <laughs> Yesterday was the start of the NFL Combine, and we got to hear from new Cardinals head coach Jonathan Gannon. He spoke on just how valuable Hopkins is to this team. We're looking at evaluating everybody. I know this. He's he's a premier receiver that you have to have a plan for. And he uh, severely limits you with how you have to play defense when you defend a team that he's on. So uh, look forward to getting to know Hop a little bit. And like I said, I've went against him a lot of times, played against him a lot. And um, he's a valuable asset for us. Do you guys expect DeAndre Hopkins to be in an Arizona Cardinals jersey at the beginning of next season? I do not. This team is undergoing, you know, a rebuild to a degree. Um, the contract being what it is, I think DeAndre Hopkins has been very professional about things so far this this uh, off season. But I could see him chirping up a little bit, and maybe wanting to get out of town. We know he's, he's he's all about the Hall of Fame. You can bolster your Hall of Fame status by getting to a Super Bowl champion. The Cardinals are not close to a Super Bowl right now, so I, and, I, I could see that happening. And as Michael Bidwell has said, they are overloaded uh, financially in, in a couple of different mm-hmm. positions. Wide receiver is one of them. I'm not sure what they're going to do about this because, to me, Hollywood Brown is not a number one wide receiver, and you, you cannot pay him as such. That that would be a bad contract to be given away right about now. And, and yet, at the same time, DeAndre Hopkins, I I, I think... This is part of the rebuild here. I think it. I think he is going to be traded, and I think. I think it's. It's all going to add up that this year, unless they catch proverbial lightning in a bottle, is going to be a bridge year for this football mm-hmm. team. Can I include Jared on this one? Is Please. that allowed? Can oh, we no. throw to Jared? Yeah. Oh boy, you're never going to get invited back if you turn your mic on, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sticking with the Arizona Cardinals, new Cardinals GM Monty Austin Fort also spoke at the NFL Combine yesterday, and he said the phones are open in regards to the third overall pick, but he has not received any calls yet. Do you guys see the Cardinals trading the third overall pick? 
I think they'd like to. I think it, it's really going to depend on what what the laws of of demand and supply happen to be at quarterback, and if if Anthony Richardson, this young kid from Florida, really does kind of take off towards the end of this week in Indianapolis to the point where teams are are tripping over themselves to get in line to select them, then they're going to have that opportunity, um, or or they're not. So um, I, I think they'd like to is the answer to it. I think it's all yeah. going to depend on the marketplace. I think it's too early to answer yes or no right now, but I think Bick's right on the money. I think ultimately um, when you combine those two things, a team's increased interest in one of those prospects where they're not going to get them if they stay put, um, plus the Cardinals' desire to stockpile draft picks. I mean, they are very aware of how thin the roster is in spots, and they need to hit on draft picks. You increase your percentage of hitting on a draft pick by having more of those opportunities to uh, to find those players. So uh, I'm not saying yes, I'm not saying no, but I think Bick is right. I think they would like to. And do you guys see any of those trade packages, including DeAndre Hopkins? Do you think that's how he leaves the team? Hmm. Separate trade is what I think. I, I would tend to think it would be a separate yeah. trade. You too. see, and, and the thing about DeAndre Hopkins, I didn't, I did not know about this until I read it last week. But his his PED suspension last year apparently nullified the no trade clause that he has in his contract, <laughs> which basically yes. means the Cardinals can trade him wherever they want. Yes, I heard discussions too. Uh, some NFL insiders kind of looking at what DeAndre Hopkins could bring, and the, the one prominent uh, insider that I heard said, "Yeah, the Cardinals are not getting a first round pick." For DeAndre Hopkins. Which is so disappointing when yeah. you think about the fact that they gave up one for Hollywood Brown. Mm-hmm. I mean, how is that possible? It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Well done, Lauren. Good job, Lauren. I feel all rebooted today. And we avoided uh, 10 minutes of discussion with Jared. <laughs> <laughs> That's great kidding. for us and listeners. Yes. Uh, thanks to Lauren. Thank, uh, Rush Hour Reboot every morning at 7.30. Coming up next, we got 30 Major League Baseball teams trying to adjust to a lot of new rules in spring training. We'll get into that and a look at the uh, spring training Diamondbacks with ESPN baseball insider Jeff Passan, who joins us next on Bickley and Murata Mornings, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Spring training baseball underway. Lots of adjustments going on with new rules around the sport. Here to talk about that and everything MLB's baseball insider from ESPN, Jeff Passan, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. Jeff, it's been a while. Thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate your time today. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? So good to have you back, Jeff. Great to be here. What's uh, shaking? Uh, well, obviously, um, the visceral, visual difference in watching baseball so far in the spring uh, with the pitch clock and all these new rules, and we've seen a little bit of havoc. But you know, from from your perspective, what's your reaction to what we've seen so far in in what baseball is trying to accomplish with these rules? Uh, I think it's been awesome, honestly. As, as somebody who loves the game of baseball but didn't love the part of it where games just seem to go on interminably and for no particularly good reason, having the pitch clock in place to me has been kind of a godsend. And it, it takes a little while to get used to. Like, it's jarring when you see it for the first time, but 
uh, after that, you can get used to this pace really, really easily, I think. And the, the priorities that are being placed on not just the speed of the game itself in terms of time, but in terms of action as well, uh, I think is a, going to be a real boon for the sport and something that people over time really grow to appreciate once they're used to it. Uh, and I already appreciate it. And again, I think this was this is about the best thing Rob Manfred's done for the game because it, it, it is so yep. jarring, yet it is so fundamentally important. You're a smart guy. Why is it that some baseball players have a hard time seeing the forest for the trees here and understanding that this is necessary? Because change is difficult, whether you're a 20-something or a 30-something baseball player or a, a 40 or 50-year-old man or a 60 or 70-year-old woman. That, like, that doesn't change. Um, you know, we have a, a routine that we get into, all of us, on a daily basis where we expect things in our lives to look and feel a particular way. And uh, a lot of people can make those adjustments, and a lot of them rage against the dying light. And, uh, look, anyone in baseball who's fighting the pitch clock, um, I, I don't know why you would because you're not going to win. Like, there just needs to be this understanding and expectation that this is the new reality. And you can either complain about it uh, and not have it change, or you can get used to it and understand that, hey, this is how it's going to be, and uh, I need to adapt or die. Jeff Passan from ESPN, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. couple of the new rules, too, that could really be a benefit to the local team, the Arizona Diamondbacks. The, the bigger size of the bases, the restriction on movement and throws over to, to first base. For a team that wants to play with speed, maybe play a little bit of old-school small ball with, with uh, their, their base runners, how do you think that affects the Diamondbacks? And, and what do you think of the Diamondbacks' chances to, to crash through into a postseason spot overall this year, Jeff? I, you know, I spent a day at Diamondbacks camp probably about a week ago or so. Um, I'm working on a story on Corbin Carroll right now that I think is going to be really good. And it, it's him, and it's Jake McCarthy, and it's Catel Marte, and it's Nick Ahmed. And you can go on and on about the athleticism and the speed uh, on this team already. Um, you know, Tori Lovello that day said, we're going to be running. And uh, I think that when you have the advantages that are provided by these new rules and in Major League Baseball implicitly encouraging players to run more and to have more action on the bases, you'd be foolish not to take advantage of it. Uh -huh. and, and the fact that the Diamondbacks, uh, this incarnation of them, is built around athletes, I think, really plays into their hands some. Um, I like this team a lot. Maybe I'm foolish. Maybe I'm deluded. Maybe I'm a year early. Maybe it's going to take a full Jordan Lawler season and uh, a full season from Brandon Fott and Brian Nelson and Dre Jameson getting used to what the big leagues are like mm -hmm. before they really turn into the guys that the Diamondbacks expect them to. But 
Uh, I'll say this. I think the future is really bright and the present is not far behind. Wow, that's good to hear. All right, so because I, I was going to ask you along those lines, it's. It, I think that Tampa's proven that there's an alternative path to, to spending a lot of money on baseball players. But, but now yeah. we're in an era where there seems to be runaway spending from the big spenders and the big markets. Um, have we gotten past the point of no return? Where are we at in, in, in terms of that, in terms of can you still build an alternative baseball team to compete with checkbook championships? Are you, are you talking about big spenders and big markets like the San Diego Padres? <laughs> <laughs> that huge, huge market. <laughs> so well said, Jeff. That's funny. I, 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 listen, I bring this up only because I'm taking issue with the term runaway spending. Okay. Um, I, I just... I, I think that is uh, there's a there's a history with those two words being paired together, um, and it goes back to the introduction of the competitive balance tax or luxury tax in baseball. The, the CBT was instituted to prevent teams from quote unquote runaway spending. Um, there's no runaway spending. There, there is there is a set of rules that is collectively bargained between the players and the owners that is in place. And you, you have, it's a binary situation to me. You can either have a cap system that limits spending for everyone or an uncapped system that looks a lot more like the free market where all of the owners in Major League Baseball made their money. And that, that's the, the problem with the complaints about spending to me. They're, they're just disingenuous. Um, I, I, I understand, guys. Like, I live in Kansas City. I grew up in Cleveland, so I've known my entire baseball life is payrolls, you know, it, like at least uh, over the last 20 years. Cleveland spent a lot back in the 90s, but over the last 20, 25 years, all I've known in terms of the cities that I've lived in are low payrolls. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I, I feel, uh, you know, I feel it when somebody like a fan of the Diamondbacks complains, well, you know, they can't spend or no it's more that they don't spend and it goes back to ownership and it goes back to ownership's willingness to prioritize winning over profits yes. uh, or or even winning over um you know breaking even i'm never going to sit here and suggest that a businessman or woman put him or herself into any kind of debt running that business what i will say is um the the right reason to own a sports team is to win championships yeah. and not create a profit center. Yes. And if an owner is not invested enough to win a championship, then what's the purpose of having that ball club in the first place? Great point. Jeff Passon from ESPN, our guest here on Arizona Sports. Uh, we, we'll try to push the payroll size uh, aside for a second. <laughs> the reality is the Diamondbacks do still live in the National League West with the Dodgers and the Padres. It was an interesting offseason for the Dodgers. They lost some key pieces. They lose Gavin Lux to the season-ending injury earlier in the spring. The Padres are loaded. Uh, how do you? Who do you favor right now uh, at this point going into the season in the National League West? Well, uh, I mean, the Dodgers won 111 games last year, and the Padres beat them in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's even right now. Um, I I still like the Dodgers. Um, I think there's a chance that 
that two of them wind up being the two best teams in baseball this year during the regular season. The, you know, the fact that they're not going to have to play each other 19 times because yeah. of the balance schedule is uh, a, a good thing for National League West teams that uh, would otherwise be worried that their competition, frankly, is better than just about everywhere else. And I was, you know, I was wondering, um, I, I'm going to take the Central out of this discussion because um, neither Central division is frankly any good um where is the best baseball going to be played this year is it going to be in the east or the west and, and i don't have a good answer to that you, mm-hmm. you can make really good arguments uh in both cases i think because in the national league west i think there are four teams that harbor legitimate playoff aspirations and uh you know the giants would surprise me a little bit if the diamondbacks snuck in i could see it um I just look at how strong the National League East is, and uh, with the Mets and the Braves and the Phillies, I mean, that is quite the uh, the array of teams that you got to run throughout there. Yeah, and absolutely. so um, the, I, I think the good thing is I, I look around baseball right now, and there are a bunch of really good teams. And I, I think the Diamondbacks have the potential to fall into that group, even in a division that's going to make – getting a playoff spot that much more difficult. Jeff, always great news. to have you on the show. Yep. We appreciate you making some time for us today. Look forward to that Corbin Carroll piece. Yes, definitely. No, so do I. He's uh, He is something else, I'll tell you. Yeah. Uh, as, as thoughtful and interesting and interested a 22-year-old as I've talked with in a long time. Yeah, that's cool. Very cool. Thanks Thank a lot, you, Jeff. Jeff. Appreciate it. Jeff Passan, ESPN Baseball Insider, kind enough to join us this morning on the Arizona Sports Line. Coming up next, it's already 8 o'clock on this Wednesday Fire! morning on KD Fire! Day. I wonder what the blast is going to be about. <laughs> we'll find out By about Jared it next. Carlin. <laughs> it's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.